What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson's, Ja Rafts, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? I was going to try and see if we could come up with a fun Masters trivia fact about the last J person to win, and then I realized Jordan Spieth had won fairly recently. And then it wasn't mm-hmm. so fun anymore, so I didn't actually do it. I was hoping we could go. I was going to be able to ask you the last time somebody whose name started with a J, and it was, you know, 1983 or something. Well, if we're going first name, then, yeah, we'd have to go back to Spieth. There's also Dustin Johnson, like, two years ago, if we're counting eh. last names. I kind of think that's cheating. But. Okay. All right. That's fair. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not <laughs> opposed to that. But this is also a podcast where if we are trying to put somebody in in, in the – in the yes. intro that we'll we go find to the way. middle name that we go to the yes, middle name so absolutely I, I i i hesitate to call it cheating but i get it Wait, I get we it. set the rules the rules are dependent on the situation that's exactly and they change. right that's exactly right like all <laughs> rules like all rules in a functioning society Correct. we set the rules subjectively and they change whenever we want them to right yes that's how it works needs. okay perfect <laughs> So I, I was pretty sure that's how it worked. Glad, yeah. glad we're glad we're on glad we're on the same page. Yes, um, we are post Masters. We are post Jim Nance week. We are post we are post rain delays, and we are post John Rom winning the Masters. So happy Masters Monday! It's the saddest day of the year because there are 361 <laughs> days until the next Masters round, and that is just sad. You see what Rob said about Zach Ertz. Yes, I did. That's so good. And did you see that? So apparently he, Zachert, sent it in a group chat that yeah. also includes J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, yeah. Which is also elite. <laughs> Imagine just being on vacation and I, because Rom lives in Arizona and which checks out considering, I don't know if Ertz lives in Arizona in the offseason. It wouldn't stun me if he does, but right, J.J. Watt being a Arizona Cardinal or at least was an Arizona Cardinal. It certainly makes sense that that they'd all be out there together. But yes, seeing the screenshots and the evidence is uh, is laugh out loud funny. Yeah, I love how JJ Watt just came out and said, "Yeah, I can verify this." Here you go. <laughs> I I loved the during his Green Jacket speech for like three seconds. He was you know he he kind of stumbled over his words. John did when he was saying when he was going to bring it up. So he had this moment of, and I'm going to say his name and I'm like, Oh my gosh, who, who could it possibly be? And I don't know who I was expecting it to be. It probably wasn't Zach Ertz, but, uh, but still an entertaining an entertaining nonetheless, a little anecdote from, uh, from the beginning of, you know, a week in which John Rom won by four strokes and spotted the field, a double bogey and a four putt on the first hole. Not uh, not a bad performance. Yeah, we really need to talk more about how much better he was than everybody else for the final 71 holes. <laughs> yes, that's correct. That's correct. And not to mention the fact that he shot 65 on Friday. He shot 65. Right, after right. He, he bogey, he birdied nine of his next 17 holes. Yeah. After his double. Not a bad, not a bad day no. in the office. We're now a week post UConn cutting down the nets in the final four and we've spent spent plenty of time talking about that in the last week but it's time to go it's time to go see where we were inevitably wrong it's it's, and where it's we were a, right. 
And there are, you, that is fair. There are some, there, there were some right turns, if you will, uh, at the beginning of the year when we did our big preseason predictions podcast. And there were some places that we uh, strayed off uh, the correct path. But we're going to take a quick, we're going to take a look back in this pod and while also making some picks uh, in terms of our postseason hindsight 2020 picks where we get to use the whole season as evidence of these picks rather than predicting what might happen so we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between the the predictions we made at the beginning of the year and also offer up new picks for things that might need them of course we're not going to make our number one seed and final four picks again because that would be silly and we'd be we knocked that out of the park i'm confident um but we will make new first team all america picks uh the colin gillespie first team all important team which is easily my favorite team Absolutely. Um, uh, as well as national player of the year and coach of the year Let's start, Josh. Let's start. Let's quickly run through where we where we went with our conference predictions. Try to get a, a, a scope of what we thought the the college basketball world might look like before this season started and where it actually ended up. So let's start with conferences briefly. We'll go in alphabetical order like we always do, and that means starting with the ACC. Josh, who roughly? Six months ago, geez, roughly six months ago, did you pick to win the ACC? North Carolina. <laughs> no. What? I feel like, didn't we both kind of say Virginia's going to make it close, but neither of us actually had the courage to pick them? Um, you know what? There's a small part of me that thinks I picked the ACC, that I picked Virginia. Hold on. There's a whole lot of podcasts notes scrolling but yes um north carolina whether i picked virginia or not north carolina was the the answer to this question preseason yeah there's not too much to say about that one very much not so um i did in fact pick north carolina i think i did a we yeah there was a whole lot of there was a whole lot of discussion yeah. about i don't know I don't neither, know, of, I don't neither know. of us could do it both of yeah we were I was a North Carolina skeptic, but not to the extent that I thought they would be bad. So, yeah, we just move on from that one. We'll just move on. We'll just move on, um, as will the rest of the country, because everybody else got that one wrong. Everyone, everyone else did. All righty, moving right along to the Big East. Picked Creighton. I won't apologize for it. It was incorrect. But I still feel fine about it. I don't yep. regret it. Uh, and I still think there's a world in which, you know, Creighton finishes 14 and 6, right? Marquette 17 and 3. So there's a world in which Ryan Cockburner is healthy that you don't, that that they don't win 17 anyways. But I, I, I still, I'll stick by that one. I'm here for that. I'll go down with the Creighton ship in terms of the biggest regular season title. National champion UConn, by the way, finished thirteen and seven in the <laughs> conference. Yeah, whatever. But also at the end of the national championship, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I'll take it. Yeah, um, okay. Big Twelve. You picked. You picked Creighton. I did. I picked Creighton. Oh, okay. 
Who'd you think I picked? Somebody not would... named Creighton? No, I picked Creighton. I picked Creighton. <laughs> okay. Great. I said Creighton returns three all Big East freshmen in Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, and Arthur Kaluma. Ryan Cockburner is the defensive difference maker that McDermott hasn't really had before with his best teams. And Baylor Shireman is the icing on top as the team to beat in the Big East. RIP to Ryan Nemhard's Creighton career, by the way. RIP. RIP. <laughs> Um, Big 12, who'd you take? Baylor. I took Baylor too. What was I doing? This one, I'm, I don't feel too bad about either. It just didn't yeah, but, happen. Yeah, but there it's were like one of the seven philosophies. It's one of the seven philosophies. <laughs> don't pick anybody other than Kansas unless it's completely obvious. <laughs> well, but also my kind of thing in the Big 12 pod was, are we sure Kansas is going to be that good? Yes. Yes. So, and that one, that's one of my bigger swing and misses, along with the with the consensus swing and miss of North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean, they were good. They just weren't good enough. So yeah. That's that's a pretty good way to put it, Josh. Also, Adam <laughs> Flagler moving no no, sorry, not Adam Flagler. LJ Cryer moving now in conference from Houston, from yeah. Baylor to Houston is a very interesting move. Oh, yeah, we uh, got some portal things happening. Yeah. Big Ten. Illinois. I picked <laughs> Illinois too. See, I picked we Illinois were, too. We get half credit on this one because we both said Indiana's not winning this conference. This is true. Now, neither of us could correctly identify which team was going to surpass them. Mm-hmm. But that was where we had the courage to differ from most people and turned out to be correct. Yeah, we just swung and missed badly on which team it was going to be. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I mean, it swung badly in the sense that there was a team that won the conference by three games, but also... Illinois was like part of this massive group that finished 12 and eight or 11 and nine. So like apart from Purdue, so like that was the biggest swing and a miss. Yeah. But if Purdue, but other than that, it was kind of because none of it, neither of us were all that confident, right? right? It was kind of a Brad Underwood has figured out how to win a lot of games. And it was like clear that it wasn't the talent that kind of right. derailed Illinois this year. Right. There was definitely some, Hey, this guy quit on us. Kind of like there was definitely some strife in the in the Illinois locker room. They just this couldn't year. figure it out, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know, I had I remember another a, a big part of my Illinois thing this year was thinking that guys like um, RJ Melendez. Yeah, I was all in on RJ Melendez yep. taking a big step, and it didn't really happen. No. Pack twelve. Thank goodness for the Pack twelve. Shouts to Uckla, baby. I got I got one right. <laughs> Was this the only one you got right? Yeah. Shouts to Uckla. <laughs> Let's go. They were the best team in the conference. They looked like it on paper. Mm-hmm. I, was, I remember talking about Arizona's depth concerns. Mm-hmm. That was spot on. It's really all there is to it. It's really all there is to it. SEC. Kentucky. See, I didn't pick Kentucky you, here. You, yep, you were correct on this. This is one of your big W's. No, no, I didn't pick Alabama. No, you didn't pick Alabama, but you were absolutely correct about how Kentucky season was going yes. to go. And I also picked a team that finished behind Kentucky. And like Tennessee actually finished 11-7 and seven <laughs> in the SEC this year. 
finished with a better record than Kentucky, but Kentucky 12 and six, of course, Alabama going 16 and two in conference was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that one to happen. Texas A&M finishing 15 and three in conference. Really? I wasn't expecting that one to happen, but uh, yes, this was my hesitation with this team. And also when we get to all Americans, a team that I did not put Oscar Shibway on preseason, um, I was just kind of, I, I did a good job with Kentucky in preseason. Yes, you did. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did I miss any of the conferences? Is that all of the conferences? Yeah. I talked about all six. I talked about all six as well. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad we've worked on our, <laughs> we've done a great job in our counting already. So. I feel like that's how we normally do. We get, we get, I mean, the only massive swing and a miss was North Carolina. Yeah. Everybody else. There were some really, there were some really, really, really good conference performances this year. And none of them were from the team that I was expecting to right. have the right. We had a 17 and three in the big East from Marquette, a team that was picked. I looked it up this morning. I think ninth in the big, in the big East, mm-hmm. eighth or ninth. Somewhere um, in there. Yeah. Right, you have Kansas doing what they do there, but it, you know Alabama sixteen Bama. and two in conference. Yeah. There were just you know UCLA. We 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 did get that one right, but even I mean eighteen and two in conference. That's a whale of a conference performance. Yeah. Purdue, uh, Purdue as well. There were some really really high quality conference performances this year, and they just didn't come from the teams that we had designated as the team most likely to do it. That's what it is. From start to finish, the season was consistent and it's bizarreness. <laughs> consistent and everybody sucks, right? <laughs> but then you look at the conference records and they're like, well, there are like four teams that don't suck. But then the team that won the national championship went thirteen and seven in the biggest. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. I don't. I don't have the. I don't have the answers, Josh. I don't have the answers. Um. Okay, that's conference predictions. Let's go NCAA tournament now. And these are. These are, I was looking back on these, and I went annoyingly chalk on my NCAA tournament picks, which I guess is like kind of how like if you're playing the numbers, then like that's probably the best way to do it. But uh, but my number one seeds, I went one for four in my number one seeds. As did I. Um, I went three for four in my one seeds making the NCAA tournament. Thanks, North Carolina. <laughs> um, and I struck out in the final four. That's okay. Your number one seed. Uh, yeah. Gonzaga. Yep. Baylor. Yep. Houston. Got that yep. one. We did get that one. Shouts to Houston. And North Carolina. Do we have the same number one seeds? That's so lame. We're so lame. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is what I had as well. And your and your final four. I mean, I guess well, I guess we should stop for a moment and recognize that the actual number one seeds were Alabama, Houston, shouts, Purdue, and and uh, and Kansas. Those were your four number one seeds. Your final four. Gonzaga. Yep. Was close. <laughs> Arkansas, which okay. I feel like you kind of get a redo on. I feel like you get a redo. I feel like you get like a <laughs> hall pass or something. Yeah. Baylor. I went all in on Baylor. That just, yeah. Wasn't there. I also had Baylor. <laughs> and then the other one that I came incredibly close to getting was Creighton. All right. So from an NCAA tournament perspective, it wasn't that bad. From a 
are these teams actually for the best teams in the country standpoint? Not great. (laughs) Um, I, all four, not all four. Baylor lost in the round of 32, but my final four was Gonzaga, Houston, Texas, and Baylor. That's right. So two of my four, even though I struck out swinging, in a final four that had a five, four, five, and nine seed. Um, I I had two of my four final four teams get to the Elite Eight. Honestly, I'll take it. It's yeah. not it's like it's not in a year in a year where no top three seeds made it to the final four, I will take that two of my four fi- final four picks preseason made it to the Elite Eight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. San Diego State, FAU, Miami, and UConn, for anyone who has forgotten in the last week. And I believed, were we in lockstep with our national champion? I think. I went with Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, here's, here's, what I, here's what I said. I've been on them the past two seasons, and I'm not stopping now. They're almost under everyone's radar. And then my bullet points were, I think they have the best player in the country. That was incorrect. Um, big fan of the step I think Nolan Hickman is going to take. Big swing and a miss. Uh, <laughs> yep. Malachi, Malachi Smith being on the team, uh, I, I think I, I think that was a good call. And in the tournament, he had some some shining moments, if you will. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's that that that's about it. There was a lot of kind of reiterating the whole. I think there are other teams in the spotlight, and Gonzaga is not, which is kind of. Funny enough, how what the point that we got to in the NCAA tournament yeah, where they were right. on their way to to an elite eight. Yeah, but the mistake was buying into the guards. That's correct. That's it. The guard play was nowhere near as good as it yeah. needs to be. Because you and I were both saying these guys are here. These guys are ready to take the next step to surround Drew Timmy with what he needs, and it just never happened. Yes. Yeah. And and like honestly, nobody else was. I mean, like even like Julian Schroeder was fine. Yeah, he wasn't great. Like he didn't turn into no. the like there. Were, we were, I remember having conversations mm-hmm. about is that kind of the guy that yep. that that really cements himself as one of the better perimeter players in the country. Yep. First round and, pick, right? And and yep. and kind of a guy threatening like even the lottery, mm-hmm. and and that just didn't happen as well. And like Timmy was, and, and it was almost impossible for Timmy to over exceed expectations. So like Timmy was was just fine this year, but didn't have like a an all worldly season either. Yeah, I'll take it honestly. I got one what one number one seed and zero final four picks. I don't know off the top of my head how I've done in the past, but that doesn't seem very good. I hope I haven't done no, I feel like we're we're generally aiming in the fifty percent range, right? Perhaps. At least for conferences. Yeah. Also last year it's 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 easier to get when both Villanova and Duke make the final four, it's uh it was Villanova Duke Kansas, North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina and Kansas, right? Yeah. Those four blue bloods. It's easier to do well, <laughs> I think, when those four teams make the final four, even yeah. with North Carolina coming out of nowhere to do it. Right, right. 
Okay, those are NCAA tournament and conference picks. Now here's the point where we marry our preseason picks with our postseason picks. Starting with the National Player of the Year, because Josh, this is just not a super fun conversation because there's just a right answer and that's sometimes how these things go specifically national player of the year um i had drew timmy in the preseason were you in the same place yes and i mm. put uh, and my prediction was accurate in the four words that i put next to drew timmy they just didn't apply to drew timmy and those words were don't think it's close <laughs> <laughs> i i i think I said I've been consistent with this all off season. First season since the arrival of Drew Timmy that he's clearly the top dog in Spokane, which is an interesting thing to say. I think that was a correct thing to say, but he took 28% of Gonzaga shots two years ago. And I saw, thought without Chet Holmgren, that was going to go up and all of those things adding up to, I thought you're right with Gonzaga being one of the best teams in the country. Uh, I thought the, the, the writing was in the sand for Drew Timmy to be national player of the year. Yeah. Instead, the writing was clearly in the sand for Purdue to be the number one team in the country at one point this season, two points this season, uh, to win the Big Ten, and for Zach Eady to be far and away the best part of the country. Sixth in scoring, second in rebounding, 21st in field goal percentage. Yeah, uh, 22.3 and 12.9. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just preposterous. His passing, we'll we'll talk about him more later because obviously he's not done showing up in on these lists, right? Yeah, it's not an interesting conversation. He's just natty boy. He's just natty boy. Twenty two point three, twelve point nine, and two point one. The two point one being blocks. Yeah, that's quite the. I was looking so so for my first team for my all important team more specifically. Um, I, I kind of started with wind shares, like who, like who led the country in wind shares. Zach Eady was first in the country at 8.8. And, and, and just foreshadowing, I made the decision that I wasn't going to cross my first team all America and my first team all important. Cause oh. I thought that was less fun. Um, I will agree with you when you have first team all America guys on your all important team, but I just thought it would be more fun to not. So um, but with that being said, there was a bigger gap between Zach Eady at one, and I think it was Tyler Perry from North Texas at two, and two and ten. Like Zach <laughs> Eady had one, a, a whole win share more than Tyler Perry, and then like he had eight point eight, Tyler Perry had seven point eight, and then like tenth on the list had seven win shares this season. So, yeah. um, so it, j- just to just to illustrate just how dominant he was this season did we make preseason coach of the year picks i didn't find any on my i didn't find any on my prep sheet so we will not have one but i will ask you like like dig into your mind a little bit here if i had asked you preseason who would you have like like what are the couple (sighs) the couple coaches that 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 pop up in your head first a really good question I know. Probably right? McDermott. Yep. I think that's a good one. Underwood. Those would probably be the two. Mm. Let's see. Preseason AP poll. 
And then I would want to believe that in somewhere in there, I would have said Jerome Tang is going to make Kansas State a lot better than you think, mm. while also not having the courage to actually say they'd be good enough for him to get National Coach of the Year conversation. Uh-huh. Fair. <laughs> Fair. So looking at going back to the week one AP All-America team, uh, AP All-America. Um, yeah, I think I think those are good ones. I think those are good ones. Maybe you got see. through with how high I was on Baylor. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah. There's nothing kind of. There's nothing immediately jumping off the page here. Mark Few. Shouts to Mark Few, man. Shouts to Mark Few. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of like every once in a blue moon do I go way off the beaten path with preseason coach of the year. There was a year I picked Penny Hardaway to be preseason coach of the year. <laughs> um, that, that didn't happen, but right. At some point, the, the coach of the year is either like someone has to do something really impressive to be coach of the year. That was nowhere on anybody's radar because a lot of the time, and it usually, usually a, a season kind of like this kind of ends up being when you get a, a coach right. that you weren't expecting because if, there, a team, there was, if there's a preseason top four team that goes on to win the national championship, that guy's probably going to be coach of the year. Yeah. There was no way any of those guys were going to get it this year with how inconsistent everybody was. Right. All right. With that being said, who's your uh, national coach of the year? Shaka. I went with Shaka too. I went with Shaka too. Two primary reasons. One, I mean, this was between Shaka Smart and Jerome Tang. I tickled In, the Matt Painter keys. I tickled them. Okay. Sure. I decided that Zach E.D. was a bigger reason why, though. So, <laughs> I, like, I, I will accept Matt Painter as a finalist. But but we went from we went from not even a top twenty five team yeah. to to multiple times being number one in the country. Yeah. And then losing losing in the round of sixty four doesn't 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 sure. totally doesn't totally help your case. But. Um, I think in hindsight, people won't think of this year as a really good Matt Painter coaching job. Because of and, how good of a coaching job he did. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yes, uh, ultimately, kind of the two guys I was picking between, I have a reason why, uh, ultimately, I went yeah. with Shaka Smart other than Jerome Tang, but I think those were those were two of the uh, the strongest cases. And just comparing the two teams first, I feel like they're pretty comparable. You know, obviously they ended up a two two and three seed Kansas State probably wins the Big East, right? Based on the way that everything played out with the other teams in the Big East. I mean, okay. if Marquette is also in there? No, sorry, if you if you switch them. Oh, if you switch If them. you just replace Marquette with Kansas State. Yeah, probably. With, with how consistent Kansas State was in the Big 12. And I feel like if you put Marquette in the Big 12, they're going to be up there. They're not going to win the conference. That they did have the benefit of having some inconsistency from the Creighton's and Yukons of the world in conference play. Sure. So at that point, they're pretty much equal to me. So then I went and looked and said, okay, this is coach of the year. Do I want to lean toward the guy who completely rebuilt a roster using the transfer portal or the guy who took his team from last year and completely elevated them based on internal improvement? I'll take the guy who had the internal improvement, who players got better under him from one year to the next. So that was the tiebreaker for me is I will always give more credit to the coach. And yes, it's what Jerome Tang did was incredible. We've talked about it all year. 
Mm-hmm. I will give the tiebreaker to the guy who just turned Tyler Colick into, you know, the Big East player of the year and Cam mm-hmm. Jones into one of the better scorers in the country and who got this team that couldn't play offense to turn into an offensive juggernaut. Uh-huh. That part of it for a coach of the year award. Now, you could talk about which one of those two things is more important for a coach, but that's not the conversation here. The conversation mm-hmm. is who did the best coaching job. And Shocker Smart, to me, is the answer to that question. Yeah, I think, and kind of getting at the same thing, like like Jerome Tang did a, like a phenomenal job this year, and all of the coaches who are just now getting new jobs should hate Jerome Tang because he's just like single-handedly <laughs> knocking down the I need time to rebuild the program kind of thing. Yep. Right now, now he's the type of place that even guy that that everybody and I can't remember, I can't remember who it was I saw yesterday, but I saw a list of a transfer, a high major transfer, and a list of his his potential schools that he was going to transfer to, and Kansas State was on the on them, and I was, you know, thinking to myself, that's exactly right. I expect to see Kansas State on a lot of lists. Um, anyways, the but but the difference for me. The difference for me is I also like at the same time I think I think Jerome Tang caught caught lightning in a bottle with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Like like it was like I just think Shaka's coaching job was a little bit better mm-hmm. because there was a little bit more of there was like I thought Marquette was a more well rounded basketball team. Than, than Kansas State this year. I thought they were like, like Marquette, like Kansas State might have had like this. I mean, well, that's an interesting conversation. I mean, they probably split the top four. Maybe Kansas State has two of the top three. If you, if you ranked the players oh, yeah. in these two teams, Kansas State has two of the top three. Marquette right, I mean, has it's, it's probably three of the top five. Right. So, so it's probably like, Maybe you throw Tyler Kolick in the middle of yes. Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, Johnson. and then Cam mm-hmm. Jones is, Cam Jones is fourth. fourth. Yep. And that probably oof. But then they Marquette get, probably arm. has but then Marquette probably has five of the top seven. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just, I just thought that that the 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 Marquette team and Shaka's that it speaks just a, just slightly, ever so slightly. We're talking about two coaches that had really incredible years. Yeah. Um, none of this is a shot at Jerome Tang. No, it's we don't do that on of, this podcast. It's just kind of split. It's just right. It's just kind of splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of splitting hairs here, uh, which is kind of what you have to do when two guys that were fin- that were picked to finish last in the Big Twelve and like third to last in the Big East end up uh, having the performances that they did. But I ended up in the shock of smart boat as well. It, it can. Be as simple as if I told you that Keontae Johnson became an All-American at Kansas State or that Tyler Kolick won Big East Player of the Year, which of those is more conceivable? Mm. I would argue it's Keontae. Now, that's simplifying it, of course. I would argue it's Keontae Johnson becoming an All-American. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, a preseason SEC Player of the Year. Is it improbable because of what he's gone through? Absolutely. But there's a world in which you go, oh, yeah, look. If he can stay healthy, if it all works out physically, of course that dude can change the trajectory of your program. We saw what he could do at Florida. Whereas you're looking around just kind of going, why is this Marquette team so good at offense all of a sudden? Right. 
And like it also matters to me just a little bit that he won that Marquette won the Big East. Absolutely, sure. And I think there's certainly an argument that Kansas State in Marquette's place wins the Big East. Like I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's incorrect. But and they're they not in the Big East. and conference tournament too. Right, but they're not in the Big East. So yeah. and Marquette is, and they they ran through the the regular season and and postseason awards for that conference. So that matters to me a little bit as well. Sure. All right. First team All-America. Let's start with where we were roughly six months ago with our first team All-Americas. Um, oh, why am I scrolling so far? I copy and pasted it to the bottom of my prep doc, so I didn't have to scroll. And there I went scrolling. <laughs> um, okay. First team All-America uh, from two, from the beginning of the 2022-23 season. Let's, uh, let's bounce back and forth and we'll uh, and just kind of sh- shout out if we, if we, share a guy on the list okay start uh give me just give me give me one marcus sasser uh i simply said best guard in the country so he <laughs> made my list <laughs> mike miles uh no mike, no mike miles on my team the candidacy was was fine the injury didn't help he just wasn't quite good enough hmm. i won't take that back though i was and more right than wrong just and not TCU right probably wasn't quite good enough. Either. Yeah, yeah. That was that was part of it. Um, yeah. m- my second guard was Kendrick Davis, and nice. I am I am I am completely fine with the with the individual campaign <laughs> that Kendrick Davis put together. That from just a from his numbers perspective. I've got no issue with the with the season that Kendrick Davis put together. Um, here's what Kendrick Davis averaged this year uh, at Memphis. 21.9, 5.4, and 3.7 rebounds. Uh, add two steals to the equation. His splits were 41, 34, 85. So not great efficiency numbers, but he also took... Not awful. Uh, but also not awful when you're taking 16 shots a game. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, the thing that I needed, what, what I wrote down was second best guard in the country on a surprise team. And Memphis just wasn't good enough. And in the national, like, like if Memphis rattles off a bunch of wins early and I don't remember off the top of my head what their non-conference looks like. So I don't even know if there was kind of a road for them to be like, oh, that's Memphis, the number 12 team in the country and undefeated through 12 games. I mean, they lost, they, they had a Seton Hall game early, um, Vanderbilt, like probably the thing that would need to de- would need to happen is that they need to be undefeated heading into the December 10th game against Auburn and the December 13th game against Alabama. And if they win both of those games, then you're talking about a team that's 11 to 0 heading into Christmas, basically. And then I think we would have been able to have a conversation, but they lost to St. Louis in the second game of the season, lost to Seton Hall. So they were two and two through four. And like at that point, you're just not going to have non-conference buzz if you're Memphis. Yeah. So that's the thing that didn't happen. I needed to them to get into the spotlight early and for him to have the type of season that he ultimately did. But um, but it just wasn't they they weren't they weren't good enough for for Kendrick Davis to be able to sneak into the first team All-America conversation. Yeah. All right. Keep going for me. Drew Timmy. I also had Drew Timmy. National, the national player of the year is what I said. Very, very, <laughs> yeah. very short and to the point here. Next was Oscar Sheboy. Yeah, no Oscar Kentucky. Sheboy here. 
maybe he wasn't quite good enough in a year where there were so many good bigs that he did kind of fall back in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And also, they were nowhere near good enough for him to be part of the national conversation because of what they were doing. Right. Yeah, I put why no Oscar Shibuya here. I had the quote from Calipari because we did this like days before the, the Champions Classic. And and Calipari said, I would be stunned if he played Monday. I would be somewhat surprised if he played Friday. So I just didn't want to put a guy on my first team All America list that potentially could be struggling with with even if you know with getting back to a hundred percent for the first month of the season. And but really I think you're right. The thing that the thing that worked against Oscar Shibwe probably more than anything was just how good really two guys in the country were. Right, I mean, like, and Timmy too. Right, Timmy and Timmy probably gets a first team All America bid this year before Shibuya does as well. But like, I had Armando Baycott on this team. Mm-hmm. That was that was I had three bigs on on this team along with Marcus Sasser and Kendrick Davis. Armando Baycott was the other one was was the second along with Drew Timmy, and so it wasn't like. Like, yes, there were some guys added to the pile that I didn't expect to be there, a la Zach Eady. But also a guy like Amanda Baycott was never in the conversation after about three weeks. So so it's not like it it's not like everybody that was supposed to be there was there and you added a couple guys on. There was some there was some shuffling, but um Sheboy just right, Kentucky and he just wasn't wasn't in the conversation enough. And I got the Armando Baycott part, right? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Except in his place. Do you remember who I submitted? Oh, that's a fun game. Um, <laughs> it's not a like for like replacement, but this was my final. Yeah. Game. Oh, it was Keontae George, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. And he was yeah. good. You know, again, not necessarily him. He just wasn't one of the ten best players in the country, and they weren't one of the ten, ten best teams in the country. He got he got off to a good start. There yeah, was some. He had, he had a really good year. It just yep. wasn't quite enough. The last player on my list was Trey Jackson Davis. That was my last first team All-America preseason guy. Uh, I put up really, really good stats for a team competing for a Big Ten title. And that was that was the bulk of my of my thing. And he was better than than even I expected him to be. He was spectacular. <laughs> there are he and you know, he will he is on my first team All-America postseason. And he, along with Zach Eady, like there are some really nice seasons from the guys that are on my first team All America, obviously. But, um, but him and Trey Jackson Davis and Zach Eady, their numbers are just hashtag different. They're they are just different. And he was he was spectacular, um, better than I than I thought than I was picturing in my head when I put him on this team. But um, but felt good about that one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, postseason first team All America. We'll start at the guard position. Who's your first guard? Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett. Listen, okay. Listen. I will not have this outrage. That's Jalen Pickett shot the ball better than Marcus Sasser from the floor and basically the same from three. Well, you know, putting up all of the other numbers in terms of the rebounding and the assists that are just ridiculous when you put them all together. Mm-hmm. I was going back and forth between the two of them. 
And ultimately, I just... Marcus Sasser would have won out because his team was better. I think that matters. It do, it does matter. I just decided it didn't matter enough with what Jalen Pickett did and the fact that they got to the NCAA tournament and the fact that they made the run in the Big Ten tournament. And Marcus Sasser needed to do something better for me. And I just I didn't see enough then. I did see enough there. Marcus Sasser is the first guard of mine. And you'll be happy to hear that this is not the last time we'll hear about Jalen Pickett's. Okay. In this podcast, okay. interesting. Okay. So, so you can so you can get off my back with the outrage. <laughs> um, who's your Who's the next guard slash perimeter guy? Jalen Wilson. Uh, Jalen Wilson is also on my <laughs> team. Twenty point one points, eight point three rebounds, two point two assists. He was sensational. Not only was he one of the best five players in the country, he was also the person that elevated, that made it possible for Kansas to be what Kansas was. Yeah. That part of it matters for me as well. Yeah, he was not, there was no conversation. He was just on the list. Um, I, preseason, when talking in the Big 12, uh, one of my bullet points in the Big 12 conference season season preview, um, one of my storylines was, can Jalen Wilson be the best player on a top five team in the sport? Mm-hmm. And the answer was yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, because last year was 11.1 points, 7.4 rebounds, right? Last season playing behind two NBA draft picks and Christian Brown and Ochai Baji. And it was right. It was the question of, can he turn into kind of that go-to scorer? And the, you put it perfectly, kind of the guy who elevates the rest of the team. And the answer was absolutely yes. Absolutely. Yeah. He was the, he was the next guy on my list as well. 20.1, 8.3, 2.2, big 12 player of the year, really special season. Who's next? I also have Brandon Miller on my team, 18.8, 8.2 and 2.1. Best player on the best team in the country in terms of, you know, number one overall seed, what they did. Obviously, there was a lot that went on off the court. That's not really taken into consideration here. He was sensational. They were sensational. He individually was good enough to get this spot, and then their team success allowed him to also have that opportunity. So it was kind of the best of both worlds where Mm – he probably doesn't get it just based on what he did, but he did more than enough based on what Alabama did, if that makes sense. 100%. 100%. This is just, this is just, he just needs to be on, on, like I almost did a mini protest and didn't put him on this list, but it's just like, he was so clearly one of the five best players in the country this season. He just was. Um, okay. Yeah. That, those were my perimeter slash guard guys. I really hope we have the same next two. I'm pretty sure we do. Um, two big 10 bigs. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana, 20.9, 10.8, four assists, 2.9 blocks. Became the all time Indiana, you know, uh, Indiana all time blocks leader this season. Um, one of the, one of the bar none, one of the best players to ever put on an Indiana uniform, um, at least for my money. And that is a really, really special thing to be. And, you know, he announced that he's going to enter into the NBA draft, and it looks like that his Indiana career 
is over. Um, but it, this was a, a heck of a, of a way to, to, to end his, his Indiana career. It was a really, really special season. And they, they delivered. Did they deliver the way most people expected them to? No, because that was never realistic. They delivered how we expected them to. Yeah. If but you told were, me that they went 23 and 12 right. and finished fourth or whatever they finished in the Big Ten. No, second. Sorry. Yeah, they went right. 12 they were the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah. Sorry, Big Ten. Yes. Finished finish second, tied for second in the Big Ten and Sweet 16. Won, won a game in the tournament. Um, no, they didn't go to the Sweet 16. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Round of 32. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, yeah, pretty spot on where I thought Indiana was going to end up. But he was he was so good all season. Yeah. It, they were good enough that he got into this conversation and that he did the the rest of it with, yeah, his production. And the party doesn't get enough credit for us what he does defensively. 100%. Because he's he's not a traditional rim protector. But that doesn't mean he doesn't protect the rim. Right. <laughs> right. He just he's he's a different kind of big. Mm-hmm. And I I really to me he's one of those guys, he's gonna figure it out at the next level. He's not gonna be a star, but he's too good at too many things to not find a way to impact pos- in a positive mm-hmm. way in the NBA. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you, he and like like he needs to he needs to call DeMontis Sabonis and give him whatever he needs <laughs> to let him work out with him during the summer. Like, like whatever Sabonis needs to sweeten that deal, you give it to him and you go, you go worship that guy. Because I mean, Sabonis is like Sabonis is an, is a first team NBA, first team yeah. all NBA type, type caliber player. And Trace Jackson Davis probably isn't going to be that, but there are a lot of things that Sabonis does that Trace Jackson did that you could that I can picture Trace Jackson Davis doing. Now and, there's an important difference. Which is Sabonis is, she, <laughs> Sabonis is a is a good three point shooter and a really good mid range shooter. Yeah. That but he also he, but he also didn't shoot in college. Sure. Like, right. I, because I've made this I've made this comparison before. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sabonis wasn't a shooter not 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 a good shooter. He wasn't a shooter. Like mm-hmm. he didn't shoot. And yeah. Now there were there were like he kind of suggested that he was working on it in his final year. And when you look at how many three point field goal attempts he took, like relative to the year before, like he didn't take a lot, but there was clearly like a shift in like okay, I'm going to take some three pointers this year. Um, he didn't make very many of them, and it's like he he took you know 23 or something his his final year of college. Like it's not like he took three a game; he took like less than one a game. Mm-hmm. But right, Trace Jackson Davis, I think took like two or three threes his entire Indiana career. Yeah. Because that's the difference, right? Is, yeah, they obviously right. have the same kind of foundational skill set. And you could argue there are things defensively Trace Jackson Davis can do that Sabonis doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you can't – a guy who's that good at passing with that much size, you can't guard them when they can also shoot the ball. Right. <laughs> they just <laughs> – I don't know what you're supposed to do when you when you have the back to the basket, you know, the traditional big skills yeah. and the ability to stretch the floor and the ability to then use the court that opens up to go get the ball to your teammates. It's a lethal combination. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing I was thinking about, because the other guy on this list of court is, of course, Zach Eady, 22.3, 12.9 and 2.1 blocks. I was thinking, so, so why does Trace Jackson Davis 
block more shots a game than Zach Eady. And where I ended was Trace Jackson, and kind of to the point that you were getting at, even though you perhaps didn't even realize you were getting to it for me, was that Trace Jackson Davis doesn't present the, oh my gosh, I can't get a shot off against this guy thing yep. that Zach Eady does, right? Like there are shots that the the guy driving to the rim isn't even going to try to take because Zach Eady is there. And I'm not sure that's quite the case with Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, it's but a lot Trace of, Jackson you know, Davis is a much more dangerous shot blocker than <laughs> Zach Eady is. Zach Eady is just a shot blocker because the guy is taller than yeah. almost everybody who's ever existed <laughs> on the planet. Um, but to kind of to that point you were getting at, right? Zach, there are a lot of shots that are just not taken because Zach Eady is there and Trace Jackson Davis gets to a ton of shots and blocks them. Yeah, it's a lot of recovery stuff, a lot of help defense, right? right. Co- coming across the lane to block a layup, right. coming from behind to block a layup, yeah. He yeah, has a lot of those, wow, he came out of nowhere blocks. Exactly, right. The ath- more the athleticism than the size, absolutely. Sneaky athletic too, because he doesn't move like like it's yeah. not like he moves poorly. But you know what I mean, like like yeah. when you watch Trace Jackson Davis run down the court, it's not like wow that guy is a physical specimen. But then he like but then he rises up to block a shot, and you're like whoa, that <laughs> yeah. was really impressive. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. okay, that's that. So my five: Marcus Sasser, Brandon Miller, Jalen Wilson, Trace Jackson Davis, Zach Eady. So we we differ on the first guard position. Don't worry, your boy Jalen Pickett's going to make a return here in just a couple minutes. But um, yeah, a really uh, a really really special group of players. Yeah, my analysis on Zach Eady was duh, duh. I like that. Okay, hold on. Um, college basketball. So so let's play a game real quick. Let's play a okay. game just because just because we're here. Okay. So first team also, so so real quick, second team All America, uh Jaime Hawkes, Jalen Pickett, Drew Timmy, Oscar Shibway, Azelis Tabellis, uh Armando Baycott, third team, Keontae Johnson, Tyler Cole, Chris Murray, Marquise Noel. Just for fun. Okay. So we're gonna play this game. This team, so we'll we'll take we'll just take your team. Okay. So okay. so we'll use Jalen Pickett instead of Marcus Sasser, but really just like just kind of flip, but those four other guys. Um, they play a three-game series against the 2021-22 NCAA uh, First Team All-America. Agbaji, <laughs> Coburn, Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, Oscar Shibway. Who wins the series? <laughs> These guys. I think so, too. I think so, too. Johnny Davis might be the worst NBA first-round NBA draft pick literally ever. At least lottery. It's got to be close. Like, he, like, that dude doesn't know how to play basketball, I'm convinced. Like, I think he forgot. I don't think it's close. I think this team. I think this team is like, yeah, yeah. Um, twenty 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 one. Jared Butler, Cade Cunningham, Io Desumu, Luca Garza, Corey Kispert. Ooh. See the issue That's there intriguing. is. See the issue there is who in the world guards Zach Eady. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the answer. Kind of... The answer is Luca Garza. But then, like, Ugh. but like, but like, Luca Garza was like. Many things. Defensive stop are not one of them. Yeah. Um, and then Trace Jackson Davis is going to get Corey Kispert? Yeah, okay. I still think I like these guys. It's a much more interesting conversation. But And the got... other part of this is that, in theory, you have this Brandon Miller two-way guy on the right. on, the, on the, the perimeter. Yes, who can guard Kay Cunningham. Right. Yeah. That's and then if you're, and if you're going Marcus Sasser, then Marcus Sasser, Jared Butler. And then yeah. you have Jalen Wilson on... Io, I guess. Yeah, that's a fun team though. Um, twenty nineteen twenty. 
I'll take this team. But here you go, Luca Garza. Not not the. I'll take this year's team, not the twenty team. Okay. The, but but the twenty nineteen twenty. Do you want to guess? Oh jeez. So this is okay. So this is the the year that got cut short because of COVID. Correct. Yes. Okay. So Garza. Yep. Azabuki. No, Azabuki was a second team all. Oh. Okay. Um, your uh, team, uh, one of those teams high on the list of man, they got that program got robbed not getting to see that team in the tournament. Conference. A ten. Oh, Obi Toppin. Yep. You then you, you, you got two big East guards. Gillespie. Nope. Howard. Yep. And Powell. Mm-hmm. Marcus Howard and Miles Powell, and then you're missing another guard, another journeyman college basketball guard, who now wears the same color in the NBA that he did in college. <laughs> Is that supposed to help? <laughs> I mean, the color's green. Conference? Pac-12. Green. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Peyton Pritchard. That's correct. That's correct. That's the... Um, and then we'll arrive at a team that would probably beat this year's team. And that's the 2018-19 first team All-America of R.J. Barrett, John Morant, Grant Williams, <laughs> Zion Williamson, and Cassius Winston. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can stop there. And the team, <laughs> and the team, the next year might beat them too. That's DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, and Trey Young. It's a lot of firepower on that team. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a fun that's that's a fun game to play. That's that a fun, is a game, fun to play. game. All right, thank you for sharing the Colin Gillespie first team all important list. How much how much overlap do you have here? I got two guys. Two guys. Okay. I I think if you asked me to, if I had made the decision to have guys from both on my first team All America on this team, I think I would have ended up with two guys. I think that's where I would have ended up. Okay. Let's 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 start. Let's start with the guys that have already been mentioned. Okay. And then we can go to the guys that are unique to this list. Um, who is the first guy that that makes the jump? Zach Eady. Yep. I I will say one of the first guys that I left out that I was really considering was Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, I actually think that I would have that Trace Jackson Davis would have ended up on this list faster than Zach Eady for me. I think maybe both of them would have ended up there though. I was really toying with it to the point where I almost kicked one of my guards off to get them both in there. Mm. Ultimately, though, yeah, you mentioned the wind chairs and. <laughs> Zachary just fundamentally changes the way teams play defense. Mm-hmm. And I would argue there was less talent around him than Trace Jackson Davis had, as good as TJD was. I, I would probably agree with that. Right. Part of the excitement about Indiana was Jalen Huchafino would have been immediately the second best player on Purdue. Yes. And then you've got, you know, I understand they had some injuries, but, you know, Race Thompson, yeah. you can go down the list. That was part of why everybody was so excited about Indiana was you have a star that, right, you know, all-American caliber player, possibly the best player in the Big Ten, plus some help. Mm-hmm. If you take Zach Eady off that Purdue team, who are they? Bad. 
that's ultimately why I went with him. Not only, you know, what he does to change the way teams guard and the way he made everybody else on that team's life better. The second guy I have is Jalen Wilson. Because we both sat here and said, I don't see it. Not not him in particular, but this Kansas team of they're just going to go be the best team in the best conference in the country again. They're just going to go be a number one seed again mm. with so little coming back. And, you know, Kevin McCullough was fine. It's not like he was otherworldly. What changed? Jalen Wilson mm. just said, I'll go give you 25 whenever you need it. In terms of players that mean the most to their teams, he also – it's really those six guys, the five I have in Trace Jackson Davis that stood out to me because, mm-hmm. yeah, that Kansas team, nobody else could have done what he did for that team, right? They don't have another guy that can go give you 25. And the way he just willed them to some wins, the way he just kept them in games. And then you also saw what happened when he didn't play well and they got blown out because nobody could could kind of compensate for that. Mm-hmm. To me, that screams all important. I have a hard time. I have a hard time arguing with any of that. Um, I made the executive decision to not have these two teams overlap. So that's the only reason I disagree with these, right? The only reason. <clears throat> um, and, and I think, I think those are, those are absolutely valid. Those are absolutely, I'll, I'll start with a guy that you had on your first team, all America with Jalen Pickett um, 17. He, he led the team in points, rebounds, assists. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else you want from him, right? Um, 17.7 points, 7.4 rebounds, 6.6 assists. And like, it's just like every, everything everybody does for Penn state stems in some way from what Jalen Pickett does for Penn state. And a lot of these guys fall under that category, but whether it's Seth Lundy, like Andrew Funk was, was so much fun to watch this year, but like, Andrew Funk gets to take open shots when he's as good of a three-point shooter as he is because of the pressure that Jalen Pickett puts on the defense, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, he didn't make my first team All-America because ultimately because they needed they needed a run in the tur- in the in the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's where they ended up at the end of the year, and they did it. And a lot of that is credit to Jalen Pickett and you know it, it, and they did it and so they get credit for that but the reason I went with Marcus Sasser is that sometimes like Houston was also one of the best teams in the country this year and I thought Sasser was the best player on that team so sometimes I just got to p- put that guy on my first team all america but um Pickett was spectacular and is at the top of the what does that guy not do list mm-hmm. so that's why he ended up here rather than on my first team all America, but he was really, he was really close to being on the other team and not this one. If that makes sense. It's almost a consolation prize. And I have Marcus Sasser on this team for that exact reason. Okay. I, I had a hard time as much as I love him. Justifying Jalen Pickett as one of the most five most important players in the country when the ceiling to that team was what it was. Sure. Whereas you saw Houston without Marcus Sasser and you saw Houston with Marcus Sasser. Those are two, as good as the rest of the Houston roster was, those are two different basketball teams. Right. So to me, 
Jalen Pickett had the more outstanding individual season. Marcus Sasser was the more important player because he was what made them a national title contender. Okay. Because without him, they're the team that played Northern Kentucky. <laughs> Fair. Now, is that a simplification? A of course. They're not actually that bad every single night. But he is what made them a good offensive team, a team offensively capable of winning a national championship. Mm. As opposed to being in that same category as Virginia year after year, everybody just goes, while they're so bad offensively, they can't win a, a national title and doesn't even care whether they're actually good offensively or not, like they were when they actually won. You know, because you, you always kind of push back on this this thing with Houston all year where I just kept saying, I, I just don't know if they can do it for six games. And you kept saying, well, there's there's scoring enough points. And obviously they're good enough defensively. Marcus Astor is the reason for that because he can go get you 20 every single game. It's hard to argue with. It's hard to argue with. Okay, who's next on your list? Why don't you go? Because I've already given three guys. Oh, you've given three. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've got three guards, one wing, and a big guy. As do I. So you've given so you've given a a a guard, a big guy, and who was the and other my one? wing? Jalen Wilson. Your wing. My wing. Right. Okay. A guard, a big guy, and a wing. So I'll give you. So I give you one guard. I'll give you my wing and my big guy, and then we can go with the last two. That work? Okay. So you yep. you already gave one guard, right? Yeah. So I'll give you my wing, which is Jaime okay. Hawkes, mm. UCLA, um, because he and and he he was kind of in a similar Jalen Wilson conversation because that was the question about UCLA was was where do I go for offensive creativity when I, when I've got to have it. And, and I just kind of like him along with Tiger Campbell, there was a lot of like kind of young guy question marks when it comes to like, how does Adam Dwona do? How does Amari Bailey do? And all of that stems from it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like Amari Bailey had a chance to kind of ease into this season because of how good Jaime Hawkes was. Mm-hmm. And Hawkes finishes second in, at Kempom and National Player of the Year rankings. Wow. He's, he's all over the place in terms of, you know, whether it's offensive rating and, you know, tr- uh, you know uh, you know, rebounding turnover rate, like, like steal percentage. Like he was just kind of right. He was the most important offensive player on the best team in the back 12 and the lot and the most important defender on the other side of the floor. Right. Like. That ought to go for Jim Clark. Okay. May- I mean, we can have that conversation if you want to, but if I've got one possession and I need somebody to lock down a guy for one possession, I want Jaime Hawkins. Mm, okay. Um, so he made my list. And then the other, my big is Ryan Kalkbrenner. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, it's a layup when you go out and your <laughs> team sucks for two and a half weeks. Yeah. And then you come back and you almost make the final four. That's correct. And we talked about it, you know, of course, like the, the right, of course, Ryan Cockburner was the defensive anchor that Greg, Greg McDermott didn't normally have. Um, it was also clear while he was out the floor elevation that he brought to the offensive end of the floor and the efficiency and letting guys like Baylor Shireman do their thing and not be that efficient because Ryan Cockburner is so efficient. 
and right. was scoring 20. It felt right. like every right. game in the NCAA tournament. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, right. But and they're right. And, it, and it, he continued to prove that when he came back. But it was there were a lot of like Ryan Nemhard, not the most efficient guard yep. in the world. Um, Baylor Shireman, not the most efficient guard uh, or perimeter guy in the world. And you, you're you enabled to do that a little bit by the fact that you have Ryan Kalkbrenner. So um, it's a bit of a layup because of how not good they were <laughs> when he wasn't there and how good they were when he was, but um, still a guy that I wanted to add on this list. No, I love that logic. I firmly believe if someone, right, you know, when Peyton Manning got hurt that yeah, year, I, I it's it. right, you, you lose somebody for a year and you're terrible. MVP, absolutely. At least make him a finalist. Let I adore one hundred percent. I adore Peyton Manning, so I'm all. I still. I still. I will. Done. I will go to war for that one right there. I, I said that example I've got, specifically I've got just my for you. I've got my musket. I'm. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, but yeah. So those are the. Those are my other three. Those are my three. So now I'm caught up with you, right? Jalen Pickett, Hunter yeah. Hawkes, and Ryan Kalkbrenner. Who's next on your list? Uh, I'll go with the one. I think it's more likely you have. Uh-huh. That is Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick is also on my list. Yeah. Not only what he actually provided on the stat sheet, but the fact that he is the one who made that offense go. You can't put a, a you can't really quantify it. But all I know is they went from being a really bad offensive team to a really, really good one. And he was the biggest reason why. Is because he just got people good shots because of what he did, because of the pressure he put on defenses, because of the decisions he made. He just elevated everybody. Nobody else on that team is really built to, to carry the facilitation load. You know, Cam Jones is a scorer. You've got some pick-and-roll kind of guys with Oso Godaro, for example. You can do a little bit of everything. But it doesn't become a well-oiled machine unless you have Kolick in there. And so to be that vital to a team that was that good, which is why both you and I gave Shaka Smart Coach of the Year, you got a really good argument for being on this team. Yeah, I mean, the way I quantify it is that like Tyler Kolick became what we know now know as Tyler Kolick and Marquette went from a, does that team have anything <laughs> offensively to right. that? That team can't be stopped offensively. Yeah. Well, and, oh, and by the way, while losing one of, we were talking about preseason that losing Justin Lewis might've been the most devastating draft decision of any team in the country. How quickly do we forget about that? And part of that will will be credit to Cam Jones because he kind of became that perimeter guy yeah. Yeah. that filled the space, but it certainly didn't not like part of that pie didn't not include Tyler Kolick. Um and I also thought Tyler Kolick was really high on the list of understanding what his offensive role needed to be yep. in a particular game. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it was, hey Tyler, we need you to score seven points and have twelve assists. And then it was, hey, Tyler, uh, Providence doesn't know how to guard the pick and roll, and you get this floater in the middle of the lane over and over and over again. We need you to score 35. Oh, oh okay, I can go do that too, right? And, and I think that's super, super valuable for, for anybody, but was part of the reason that he was so willing to be whatever he needed to be on that particular day and had the understanding 
along with the willingness to figure out which one he needed to be. And, and yeah, super, super valuable. And I also am just, I, I like he's, he was probably my f- favorite player in college basketball this year. Probably like, like he's up there. There's a couple guys on the list, but he's probably up there. And, um, and like, this is a podcast. I get to say whatever I want to on it. Todd Cole goes on my first team, all important. The Colin Gillespie first team, all important. That's the beauty of the all important team, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, okay. Who's the last player on your team? I'm curious if we're the same here. I'm going to be sad if we are. I want Marquise Noel. Oh, we are not. Okay. Okay. Just look at what the dude did. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to also be one of two guys returning, right? He was the facilitator for all of this. And by all of this, I mean also working the athletic department to get Jerome Tang as their coach. <laughs> And again, right, this is our podcast. I'm going to count that a little bit in his favor, too. And then you go see what he delivered. And a team that good, that was such a central story of the college basketball season, both what they did in the regular season and then what they did in the NCAA tournament and what he did in the NCAA tournament, to be so reliant upon two guys, one of them had to be recognized somewhere in here. And neither of them were good enough to be first-team All-Americans. Which is why they both ended up on the third team. So this is where you can put one of them. And Kante Johnson did not have a good NCAA tournament. They still got to the Elite Eight. Why? Because Marquise Noel is a significantly more valuable player. That's not a knock on Keontae Johnson. That's the reality of Marquise Noel having the ball in his hands. So I don't really feel like I need to justify this further. Look at what he did. Look at what they did. Look how they kind of connected. I, the best, the best case for that, for that argument, right. Is, I mean, and, and all season, but the last thing you said is like, if I told you that Keontae Johnson was going, or if you told me that Keontae Johnson was going to have a bad tournament, I would have, I would probably would have gone with a first with a first weekend exit for Kansas State, and they got about as close as you can get to going to the Final Four, and not going to the Final Four, and that was, and I and I also think like to 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 go to bat for Keontae Johnson a little bit when you're on a heater in Madison Square Garden and you're from New York, like you just kind of have to keep going to that guy, like at some (laughs) point. Jerome Tang was just like, okay, this is the guy we have to do everything through. Yeah. So I think that results a little bit in, um, and Keontae Johnson's, at least his statistical numbers not being great, but you're right. He didn't have a good NCAA tournament and was part of the reason they had to pivot to kind of Marquise Noel doing everything. Um, and and my point was, my point was just more, if you flipped that, they don't, it doesn't work as well because he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Sure. Right, that's not Kante Johnson's fault. That's just the reality of the positions sure. they play. That's why guards are so important. Sure. But he also had the ball in his hands a ton all season, along yeah. with Marcus Noah. Yeah. Um, but that I think that's the that's the best argument for it. Um and if you and if we're turning this into the first team all important duos, they go on this list immediately. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is not an outlandish thing to say, but still. Yeah. 
That's a fun list too. Um, last guy on my list is Kai Ziegler. Mm. Because this is this is kind of the this is kind of the cherry on top of the of the issue I had with Tennessee all season. Like this is just like every time we talked about Tennessee, I in some way, shape, or form said something to the extent of Zakai Ziegler was the only guy who had any abilities of improvisation when it comes to offense for Tennessee. And, and like, I've said that so many, like that, like it might be the only thing it might be first on the list of the things I said the most this year, other than like Matt painters, him like, like (laughs) North Carolina is bad and North Carolina is bad. (laughs) I, like he just needed to be on this list for me. It was just kind of the 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 last thing for my issue with Tennessee all season. I thought the pressure that was on Zakai Ziegler and the way that their season ended in an incredibly predictable fashion. And I know that like they probably outperformed expectations when it comes to like if you told me they were gonna go to the Sweet Sixteen without mm-hmm. Zakai Ziegler, I probably wouldn't it would have said, nah, probably not. But they also like it, they got there on their defense, not on their offense. Like Louisiana and Duke scored a combined 107 points against against Tennessee in those first two games. There's probably an argument that their defense got better without Sakai Ziegler on the floor, just because the five nine guard is by definition a liability. I don't care how good of a defender you are. When everybody on the team nine, defends anyway, right? Yeah. When you're five nine, you're you're a liability defensively. You just are. Um, and that's so so that that might have something to do with it but ultimately they lost a game in which they just were never going to score enough points and even when the other team like the other team got to 60 so they lost and um and that was that that was just kind of a thread that ran through my entire season so he ends up on my list nice there you go Tyler Cole, Zakai Ziegler, Jalen Pickett, Jaime Hawkes, Ryan Kalkbrenner versus Tyler Kolick, Marquise Noel, Jalen Wilson, Marcus, Marcus Sasser, Sasser, and Zach Eady. I think your team probably wins. Since you have it's, half also, of, it's also because it's I put a couple. Yeah, yeah you have half. Of, you have you have well, well, and in terms of like the the public first team All America, three of the five first team All Americas. Yeah, like true. the AP first team All actually. Yeah. I might have mirrored without even meaning to. I think I mirrored AP first team All America. I think this was first team All America for yeah. AP. Sasser, Miller, Wilson, TJD, and Zachy. There you go. You got anything else? We're gonna have to do a, a portal pod at some point here. Yes. I, I the, the thing I want to say is we talked <laughs> talked about this Ed Cooley thing and how quickly this could turn around. Just landed Jane Nepps from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Still in the running for Hunter Dickinson. At least it appears. Now, I've seen other things that says that Dickinson is supposedly leaning toward Maryland. I don't know. All I'm saying is, you get those two guys, we're having a very different conversation about Georgetown next year. And he's already got one of them. It's, um, it's truly remarkable like how how fast we've gone from you need to give a coach four years 
to rebuild a program to like now all of a sudden Thad Mata in his first season being horrible at Butler is like a really big red flag. Like, you know, like, like in, in, in a season where, and Butler, I shot to Butler. They had a good, they had a good weekend with the transfer portal. Yes, right. Well, well, now the pressure is on that. You've got to win the portal battles to go make sure your team is good next year. Yeah. Right. Right. But my point being is that like, like he rebuilt that roster and then they were bad. And like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it, you know, the conversation isn't really, Oh, it's only his first year. It's like, well, it was Jerome Tang's first year. Didn't seem to matter. I mean, like Marquette immediately kind of turned things in the right direction when Shaka Smart got there. And anyways, it's just, it's, it's one of, it's easily one of the two or three most fascinating things about the transfer port error error from me mm-hmm. uh, is just the, how timelines of coaches has completely, has completely changed. Yeah. The timeline of success, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, back to one podcast a week. Um, is the other thing, the other programming note. Um, if there needs to be pods, like if thing, if emergency emergency things happen on a Tuesday and we're not supposed to record again for another seven days, like there's not, there's not no chance that we won't, uh, that we won't hop back in for a second pod of a week every once in a while. But the general programming schedule will, will bring one Jays for days podcast a week during the off season. But, um, we'll, uh, We'll tackle a plan for the off season like we always do, and uh, and we'll bring it to you, Indeed. including the hiatus week where we do a soccer and golf questions pod, which has become an annual tradition on the Jays Fritz podcast. <laughs> on the Jays Fritz podcast. Alrighty, we will be back next week, perhaps with a transfer portal thing, perhaps with something else, but we will figure it out before then, and we'll meet you back here in about seven days. Thank you. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod, YouTube, TikTok, all of those fun things. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.